Thanks guys for joining us. You know, I once read that there are over 87,000 drink combinations available at Starbucks, but just in case you still can't find that drink that you want, you can now order a drink from a new menu that's based on your birth date. This menu from Starbucks is called Star Signs and it launched just a couple of weeks ago in combination with the new astrological year. It's pretty simple. I tried this out. So either on your app or online, you just start with your sign and then you identify the time of day that you most enjoy drinking your coffee. But in addition to a drink recommendation, you're given a bit more. You're given some power words. And just in case you're not sure what that is, mine were courageous, upbeat, and passionate. You get a spring color. Mine was burnt orange. And you even get a flower, in my case, a tulip. Not a real flower, of course, but just a recommendation. Oh, and then you also get a horoscope. I, I feel like it's worth sharing that I helped run our church coffee shop for nearly 10 years, and I will be the first to admit that I have come up with a lot of creative pairings when it comes to coffee, but the idea to pair coffee with horoscopes never occurred to me. So Jim, was I just missing a really obvious connection? No. <laughs> okay, that, that, that feels good to hear. I feel like this is such the norm now, or it's becoming more popular in coffee shops. I'm like, what was I missing? But anyways, uh, when I was reading about this new partnership, though, with Starbucks um, and this company called Sanctuary, I was surprised to read that astrology has been on the rise in recent years. Um, why is that? Well, there's several reasons, but the first and most obvious is technology. Um, there, there, you know, we have that phrase, there's an app for that. Well, there are certain things that once there got to be an app for it, it just helped explode. And uh, horoscopes is certainly, we're reading your horoscope, it certainly falls into that category. Uh, and it's just made it so easy to use and so easy to access. You enter your birth date, as you were mentioning, your birth date, time, location, app calculates your specific birth chart, uh, shedding light on supposedly your passions, your predilections and such. Um, by 2020, one of the most uh, popular horoscope apps, which was uh, put up by CoStar, had been downloaded by a staggering 15% of all American women between the ages of 20 and 34. Uh, that's just a huge number. Uh, Sanctuary, which is another company, which is a new, much newer to the astrology app market, but that's the one that's participating with Starbucks. They have uh, an AI, artificial intelligence-driven interface that you interact with like you're like you're texting a friend. And so the way it works is the bot sends you these daily notifications and you can respond through a chat window and gain insights about everything from, you know, its predictions to, as you had mentioned, a power emoji to which can be everything from a moon to a high heel. Uh, it's they have a twenty dollar. This this might not still be the case. But it was a twenty dollar a month upgrade. That includes an option to actually message with one of Sanctuary's human astrologers. Uh, but it's part of an overall rise of the interest in all things occultic. Uh, and we can get into that later if you like. But that's that's what we're, what we're talking about here. So the rise of technology and also in the cultural rise of interest in all things, the occult, uh, tarot cards, witchcraft, horoscopes, psychics, uh, all of that. Um and that's what these are, horoscopes and, and fortune telling and psychic hotlines and tarot cards, angel numbers, which we've done a podcast on. It's all part of wanting to tap into information that is unavailable through normal means and uh, the world of the occult. I do want to talk more about that, but I think it's worth mentioning that not everyone who takes astrology seriously is happy about this 
growing interest that you just noted. If anything, there's been some pushback against, you know, the oversimplification of astrology or um, or using it as a marketing ploy. So on that note, what can you teach us about what is astrology all about? Like the not so simplified watered well, down version of it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it, the practitioners would say it's an art and a science, you know, mm-hmm. both of this. Astrology is a collection of practices related to divination. Divination is an attempt to gain insight into a question or a situation uh, by way of an occultic process or ritual. Uh, Diviners ascertain uh, their interpretations by how someone should, you know, of how someone should act or decide or what they ought to do or how they ought to feel about something through alleged, uh, through events, omens, um, alleged contact or interaction with a, a supernatural agency. Astrology is getting that kind of information specifically by studying the apparent positions of celestial bodies, uh, celestial objects, and different cultures have employed some form of astrology, you know, for a long, long, long time. And we can, we have it charted all the way back to the second millennium BC. Uh, And it's mentioned throughout the Bible as well, Uh, condemned, but mentioned. And let's be really clear. There's not a single case of astrology mentioned in the Bible that isn't part of a condemnation. Um, Western astrology, one of the oldest of the astrological systems still in use, can trace its roots to between 19th and 17th century BC uh, to Mesopotamia, specifically, where it spread to ancient Greece and from there to Rome and the Islamic world and eventually Central and then uh, Western Europe. Contemporary Western astrology uh, is often associated with systems of horoscopes, as, as we've been talking about, that purport to explain aspects of a person's uh, personality and to to predict significant events in their life based on the positions of celestial objects. Uh, The majority of professional astrologers rely on those kinds of systems. So, you know, a horoscope, that's what a horoscope is. It's a forecast based on stars and planets that were uh, tied to your birth date. Okay. And I can remember reading horoscopes, like in the newspaper when I was a kid. Um, I didn't know much about astrology, obviously, at that time, um, or really just, as you just mentioned, kind of like the age of astrology. And and as you said, I know people have been studying stars for a long time. I mean, you mentioned in the Bible, even I mean, there's example of the Magi coming to visit Jesus after having studied the stars. But when did it become like the form of astrology that we would most recognize today? Yeah, I I think following the end of the 19th century and the wide-scale adoption of the scientific method, research pretty successfully challenged astrology on both theoretical and experimental uh, grounds and has showed that it has no validity, no scientific validity whatsoever uh, of, of having explanatory power. In other words, it's completely irrelevant and has no significance. Astrology thus lost its, its, um, its academic and its theoretical standing in the Western world until, and it declined until basically the 1960s. Um, and there was a resurgence that began then. And even a little bit before that, it saw a popular revival starting in the, in the 1800s as part of a general revival of spiritualism. But then later uh, in the 1960s and forward, a new age philosophy and new age thinking uh, and the influence of mass media and, quite frankly, newspaper horoscopes. When newspapers started putting in, putting the horoscope there, just kind of made it this broad, popular, easily accessible appeal. Um, and then 
it gained maybe a little bit of not not academic. Well, Carl Jung in, in the 20th century, early in the 20th century, the psychiatrist Carl Jung uh, developed some concepts regarding astrology, uh, which led to the development of psychological astrology. But I wouldn't call that a robust academic field. Um, but really, it's it uh, it became popular with the rise of all things occultic, and you had that with spiritualism in the 18th century. You had a revival of 1960s types of things, as well as the New Age movement and its rise. And then what has really birthed onto the scene in the last five years, I wrote about this actually in Hybrid Church about the post-Christian spirituality. Really, you had this, this this explosion on the scene of all things occultic. In fact, so much so that. Um, uh, Publishers Weekly had so many books coming out, they called it the season of the witch. The New York Times ran an article that said, when did everybody become a witch? And it was just all about the 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 embrace of all things occultic in a mainstream way. And so horoscopes and astrology have obviously just written that out to such a degree that now it's on a Starbucks cup. Hmm. Well, I came across a quote from an astrologer who was commenting on the Starbucks star signs. And it caused me pause because he seems to be he seems to have been talking about like the, the background is like talking about just the practice of astrology in a general way. But when he was doing that, he said, um, I'm quoting him here. He said, I think we're searching for answers that we have questions about the kinds of things that mainstream religion might not be providing answers for and getting those answers from more spiritual practices. That was interesting. Like what types of answers do you think mainstream religion isn't answering? Oh, I think he's absolutely right. Um, uh, I, I think that, when, and when you say mainstream religion, um, I think that's important because I don't think that they would be talking about evangelical, charismatic, or many other types that are actually growing, at least at some point. Here's the hunger, Alexis, and it's always been the hunger. The hunger is for direct spiritual encounter, direct spiritual experience. And lifeless religion doesn't give that. Aspects of the occult can promise it. Obviously, the authentic Christian faith offers it, but... Um, but, you, but people are wanting to feel like they're tapping into something real and vibrant and, and, and powerful. They, they, and they also want it easy. And so they want prayer that does act like an app. And, and it's a cheap spirituality. It's an easy spirituality. It's one that often has zero moral implications. So it doesn't put demands on your life. So you have this, this sense of the spiritual, the sense of the soulish that you're, you're hungering for. But, you know, a horoscope can be just as easily satiate that for you as, a, as, as scripture. Um, but the, the truth is, is that true spiritual experience. I mean, there's there's the spiritual experience that comes from the living God. And there's a the spiritual experience that can come, obviously, from the world of the occult. They're both spiritual experiences. Um, and so let's not be naive about that. When someone encounters something through the world of the occult, it's not the position. The position of the Christian is not that it wasn't real. The position of the Christian was that it was simply the power of the demonic. So, yeah, I'm sure you did experience something and God help you um, because of what you may have opened the door to. And so, you know, but but God is real. God is active, but he's not a puppet. He's not an app. He's a person and our relationship with him is deeply personal. We we tend to want Ouija board type of answers. But what we have is a personal relational God. But um, but yeah. I think that's interesting what you said about the, you know, there, there is a spiritual presence behind it, but, you know, it, it may not be a godly one. And, 
because you, you gave a message a while ago at Mech about horoscopes. Um, and you, it wasn't specifically about horoscopes. So you touched on that and you gave the recommendation to people to not read them or really give any weight to their predictions or advice. And I, I do remember just hearing in the hallways or anecdotally, a lot of people like feeling like they had never heard that before. I mean, horoscopes just seem so fun. They're like, it's like a fortune cookie. It just, whatever, like it, it would never, would anybody think like I might be encountering something really dark by reading yep. my horoscope. So can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah. And, and, and here we'll get into the occult uh, uh, fully. One of the things, and, and before I do, let me, let me just say uh, parenthetically, <clears throat> I say this as a pastor. I say this as a, as a professor uh, I, with students. I am, I am stunned by the, and, the, and I don't mean this in a condescending way. I, I say this in a concerned way. I'm stunned by the ignorance of the typical Christ follower about what is and what is not the world of the occult, what is and what is not demonic, just how this plays out. They just have like no map in their mind of the paranormal world of the, of the, of the, of the spiritual realm, both the occultic and, and not. Um, and so they, they don't think about something like a horoscope as anything but tame and benign when they don't realize, Oh my gosh, this is, this is, this is the world of the occult. So let's, let me get into that. The word occult just means hidden. The, the, uh, the hidden or secret beyond the range of ordinary human knowledge or that operates below the surface of life. Uh, using that sense, it's almost a natural, benign, neutral term. But it's become, but, but the way we're using it is as a reference to those practices that link up, whether intentionally or not, with the hidden secret world of Satan and his demons. That is not neutral. Because it involves engaging the forces of darkness. And when we do that, we're willfully opening up the door of our life uh, to their presence and to their activity. And this brings us to reading your horoscope. The, the first characteristic of anything that is occultic or something that is occultic is the disclosure of or communication of information unavailable to us through normal means, which is exactly what a horoscope is trying to do or we're offering that it does. And this does. It's not just horoscopes. It's fortune telling. It's psychic hotlines. It's tarot cards. The information that they claim to possess comes from somewhere. It's not just floating around in the atmosphere and this just somehow gets it out of the app. You know, and it's no, if it's not from God through the sources that God has ordained, then it is from the evil one and his forces. There's no power or information just floating around out there that just exists, you know, neutral and impersonal that has a voice or that can be tapped into. Uh, some kind of cosmic consciousness, you know, for secret knowledge about the future of a human life. Everything falls, no, under heaven or hell, good or evil, God or the evil one. Uh, without a doubt, now, the Bible teaches that not only did God create the stars, he also created their patterns. I mean, that's uh, the book of Job. It says very clearly that God is the maker of, uh, uh, I think it says the bear, the Orion, Pleiades, um, mm -hmm. the, the constellations. Uh, you know, I think, I think those are the three that are actually named that mm -hmm. God did, that God made. So things like, like the, the constellations that have enchanted people's imaginations for absolute centuries and guided countless explorers over uncharted waters, where, that's all fashioned by God. And those are good, wonderful, beautiful, intriguing things. But then the Bible also gives very clear warnings about not taking that enchantment, that interest too far. Um, you know, in, in, in Deuteronomy, it, it, it says very, very clearly that when you when you look up to the uh, the heavenly array, don't don't be enticed to bow down before them. 
Don't be enticed to worship them. That, that, that's not what they are. The temptation throughout history has been to make more of the stars than there is, to see in them something mythical, something magical, something supernatural, even to the point, which is what we're talking about, of using them as for some kind of divination uh, or to get guidance or to see them as some type of supernatural source. Uh, that is what astrology is about. That is what horoscopes are attempting to do. And and just to be clear, because, uh, you know, again, these, these words are very similar. We're talking about astrology, not astronomy. Astronomy is the scientific study of the stars. Or uh, And this isn't even about, as you alluded to, God's use of the stars in his own workings, in his own miracles, such as leading of the wise men to the baby Jesus. We're talking about astrology, which is the attempt to use the stars for some kind of hidden knowledge in a supernatural form, they don't hold that power. Uh, when we attempt to use them that way, we're simply inviting another power into our lives, and that is the life, that is the world of the occult. Um, a really, a really interesting passage about this is, is in Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah declared in Isaiah forty-seven, he he, he taunts astrologers, and and he says. Uh, you know, and you see, you see this a lot in, in the Old Testament, the prophets, um, like Elijah with the prophets of Baal, you know, okay, well, maybe you're not screaming loud enough. Maybe, maybe you're not, maybe you're not cutting yourself enough. Maybe he can't hear you. Maybe he's deaf and asleep. Maybe you need to pray louder. Well, you have, you have Isaiah taunting where he says, let your astrologers come forward. You, you're into, into, you're into astrology. Um, is that where you're getting your information? Well, let them come forward. These people who make predictions every month by the stars, let them come forward. And then he says, they're like stubble. <laughs> Fire's going to burn them up. And I love his line. They can't even save themselves. Like they can't even forecast their own life. Like there, it's nothing. It's just, you're dabbling in the world of the occult, which has, you know, nothing compared to the power of the living God. So I can't say this strongly enough. Don't dabble with horoscopes. Don't read about them in the newspaper. Don't use a horoscope app. And when you get finished drinking that particular Starbucks cup, throw the cup away. You're done with it. You should be done with it because, again, you you have you don't want to uh, dabble with, interact with the the world of the occult, which is which is what this is, and and uh, and we need to be very clear about that. But what do you say to people who might respond to that with, you know, but I've been using them and they work. Like they really are spot on with the way that I experience life. Or, or, you know, like someone who identifies with their sign, you know, similar to how someone might describe themselves using like an Enneagram number or what, you know, what their Myers-Briggs is. Like, how, I mean, what do you say to that when people are like, but it works. I mean, it, it, this is who I am. Like this is, th this describes me perfectly. This told me what was going to happen and it happened. Like, what do you say to that? Well, a few things. First of all, when you, let's just say you're a Sagittarius or whatever your astrological sign is, and you look up in the paper and it says, okay, if you're a Sagittarius, da 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 da, da And then you say, well, that's kind of true of me, or that kind of is the way this week's been, or that day went, or my season of life is. But 99% of the time, it's written in such a generic way. You mm -hmm. could drive a truck through it, and it really wasn't specific at all. And um, so, I mean, it, it's, it's a fairly bogus tie-in most of the time. Another thing that I would say is that a horoscope goes beyond just like a personality mark, like Enneagram or Myers-Briggs. I mean, it's trying to predict the future. It, it's trying to say, this is what's going to happen, or this is what you need to be doing, or this is what life is going to be like. I mean, it's getting into divination, which is very different than, hey, if you're an introvert, you might, you know, uh, 
feel this way or be better with people this way. It's very different. Divination is is much more straightforward in terms of the, the world of the occult. Another thing that I would say is, is that if someone were, for example, let's just use a seance, says, well, hey, my seance worked. I went to this psychic or this person who channeled and my Aunt Edith came back and said something only Aunt Edith would have known. And I know that that's what Aunt Edith said or did or believed, or that was a quirk of hers. I know that. So it happened. So you can't tell me it's not real. My response to that is, oh, friend, I think that what you experienced was extremely real. I just think that you just encountered a demon. You didn't encounter Aunt Edith. You encountered a demon and demons have knowledge and they have a knowledge you don't have. And uh, so deception is not something that is, is, is difficult for them. In fact, the Bible goes out of its way to say that Satan uh, masquerades as an angel of light. They, they, their, their role is deception. Their, their goal is deception to, to, to appear as, as, as good or benign. In fact, so much of even New Age spirituality and New Age writings where someone supposedly channels a spirit or encounters an angel and what that angel tells them is completely diametrically opposed to scripture or the teachings of Jesus and such. And, and, and they, they're writing down what this angel told them. And there's a thousand books like that in one form or another. And I don't even have any problem saying, OK, I'm not denying your experience. I'm just saying you didn't encounter an angel or at least mm -hmm. not an angel of God. You encountered a demon. Yeah. And, 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 and you were deceived. And, and so I think that we need to remember that. So there's a, <coughs> someone says, well, this information was accurate. This experience happened. I just say, well, I'm sure it did. And you're just terrifying me more because now you're affirming that you had direct contact with the world of the occult and, um, and it's time to flee. Hmm. Well, and I know we've talked about this before too, but like, a lot of the way in which, you know, idols, for example, in the past worked is they didn't have to work all the time. They just had to work enough times for you to be hooked and to put your faith in it. And so I feel like that could very much be true with horoscopes and the, the like, too, of they don't well, have to describe you every time. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I mean, take it take it even further. I mean, I, I, I don't want to go too far afield here, but um, uh, when you when you look at just the unfolding of the events of the of the end times, the, the end of the end times. Um, however you read Revelation, John's Apocalypse, and there's multiple ways of interpreting a lot of that stuff, it's, it's going through some pretty deep weeds. But without a doubt, there is the coming of the Antichrist um, and who will deceive the world into thinking that he is to be worshipped, even to the point of going through a supposed death and resurrection in, in, in an aping of Jesus. And um, there will be power demonstrated, miracles surrounding the Antichrist. Um, and and we, we, we sometimes forget, we, we almost have a, we, we just, we're so gullible. We just don't, we forget that not, all, that there is supernatural power out there. There can be miracles, but be careful what you, that you automatically attribute something uh, holy or good to it. Mm. Um, and, and even when you look at the temptations that Jesus went through from the evil one, he could have delivered on all of them. Well, I think you I'll hit. Give you, I'll, give you, okay. I'll give you this world. I'll give you this world. Yeah. That mm -hmm. was that was not an empty promise. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head at, at the top of the podcast when you talked about like it's just our desire for knowledge that we might not be able to have. And I just think of it's really like our desire for control and our impatience. Like, you know, God God is, you know, so wise and he I mean he will let us know the things that we need to know, but not everything that we want to know and not in the timing that we want to know it. And I think it yeah, it's it's difficult to be patient and and wait on God or to we just want to see we just want to seize knowledge before the right time or knowledge that we're not ready or prepared for. So as I think about this and kind of wrapping it all up, like I just think through, you know, horoscopes may seem, you know, fluffy or, you know, just feel good kind of things. But, you know, I I can see that being part of Satan's strategy. You know, like very rarely does he come in the darkness that he really is. It's just enough to make you, I don't know, to hook you, but then he can't, he can't ever deliver on that goodness. Um, uh, It's it's always, it's always a, a facade. Yeah. Interesting. And I guess just to that point too, that, you know, if we think that we have more power over him, like that, that's a really dangerous position to be in. Like, as you said before, like Satan does not hold a candle to God's power, but we also don't hold a candle to Satan's power without God's help. So just being really, I don't know, just being really careful there with what things we think that we are strong enough to, to withstand. And let me just give this final word, at least for me, and because I can't say this enough. And so I, I, I really, I'm, I'm, I got my pastor's hat on as clearly as I can to all Christ followers who are listening to this, please uh, n- do understand. And I just want to say this again, clearly at the end, all astrology and all of its forms is completely condemned as part of the evil world and darkness of the occult in the scriptures. It is unambiguous. This isn't a game, this isn't a play with. So everything connected with this, tarot cards, psychic hotlines, horoscopes, Ouija boards, seances, uh, you know, it, it, you're, you're, you're in the realm of the evil one and you're in the world of the occult and you have nothing to do with it and you're to flee it. And so I, I, I just pray that that's come through loud and clear in this conversation because it's getting so mainstream culturally and being put forward as so benign and innocuous and, and it isn't. Hmm. Well, that's a great final word. So let's end it for there for, for now. And then, yeah, we hope you'll tune in again next week for another great conversation.